You are listening to a sermon preached at Still Bay Baptist Church in Still Bay, South Africa. For more information, please visit our website stillbaybaptist.co.za. May you be blessed in listening to God's Word today. We are now jumping back to Colossians, which we've skipped for a while, um, because we have had all other things in December, and it was a long break of other things and other themes. And last week, the message of Israel, and if you haven't listened to it, I really want to encourage you just to go listen to it. I sent out the link. Um, but now we are back into Colossians. Um, after two years, we've passed the halfway mark, which is good news. Um, people tend to separate the, the book into two parts, where chapter 1 and 2 is doctrine or teaching, and the next two are like practical. I think it may be better to think of it that the first two parts are mainly dealing with your heart and your spirit, understanding, and then the second two is the outflow of it. How do I apply now everything I've learned about God? And he gets very practical about marriage and all things like that. But we are currently in chapter 3 where he did two things. Um, he said, as a born-again child you, of God, you don't automatically become holy. It's not that day you're saved and suddenly all your problems are over, you never have any bad thoughts, any wrongdoing, everything is just perfect. Um, it is a process of letting the Holy Spirit work in you to change you, to get rid of these things. Now this is, I think, why many Christians have a very frustrating life because they don't get this they get very anxious when they still do something wrong and they say but maybe i'm not saved because the satan whispers like well i can't imagine saved people would do something like that and you go maybe maybe i'm not really a child of god but you should actually understand no you are you've been forgiven and you are now empowered to deal with these things and to grow in them and so what we've seen is there are two parts to this growth. Um, that the first part is where you must be honest about who you are. Now a black heart here doesn't refer to being unsaved. It just talks about a lot of internal struggles. And so as a, this person who's now saved still gets frustrated and angry and, and have issues with sexuality and, and still speak in a bad way or still maybe have struggle with alcohol abuse or, or all those type of things. And then you wonder, but okay, God, but I want to change now. And what do people tend to do in that moment is that they pray. God, please take away my desire to drink alcohol. And you stand up and if you're lucky, maybe for a week it goes well, and then you're just back there. And that's very, very demoralizing. I've prayed. Why did God not just take this away? Because we don't understand how God has designed us to change. So the first thing that you need to do is you need to identify what is wrong in here. Now when we talk about in here, we talk about the heart, the inner man. These are, it's a level below my thoughts. It's what I believe about life. It's what I believe about myself, about God. These are my desires. These are the things that's important to me. I figure out what's wrong in my heart by starting with my behavior and asking why. Um, now, I tried to do one on, based on last week's sermon, and you'll see how difficult it is. 
So now, last week, I spoke about the fact that in our church, there is disagreement on Israel. Some people say they are the nation of God. Some people, they say not. Now, people, not many, surprisingly enough, got angry with me. They got angry with me that I don't agree with them on their view of Israel. And so, that's not a good anger, being angry with someone in the church. And then you ask yourself, but why do you get angry that I disagree with you? So these are often why questions. Why do you get angry? Because you're wrong. Okay, but why does me being wrong cause you anger? Can't I just be wrong? I don't think I am. But can't I just be wrong and you're just happy with me being wrong? No, because, and now there can be so many reasons. And this is what makes it complex. There are no simple answers for, that fits everyone to figure out what's going on in your heart. We have the same displaying problems, but we have different reasons that get us there. Now, it could be like, I just don't like it when people disagree with me. Everyone must just agree with me. Why do you feel that? Because I am right and I'm important. And now you hit the heart. It's pride. Pride doesn't allow anyone to agree with me, disagree with me, and still get my love. If you disagree with me, I'm going to punish you because you're not honoring me. Another reason could be that you are scared that because you're wrong, you're now going to hell. So it, it comes out as anger, but it's actually, I don't want you to be wrong on Israel because if you're wrong on Israel, you're going, you're going to go to hell, and I don't want you to go to hell. And now again, you get to the heart, there's a wrong belief. There's a belief that if I disagree about Israel, I'm going to hell. That's not a requirement for saved or unsaved. And so this is often why biblical counseling is needed. Because this journey is different, and this journey is often, sometimes, often, difficult to do for yourself. Um, but yeah, so one thing I wanted to add here was, one thing you can do is to go for biblical counseling. Another thing you can do if you're married is to pray and work at a mature marriage where you can do this work together. Where you go to your spouse and say, I don't want to know why I do this. Can you figure out with me why I get so angry? Can we dig into me a bit and let the Holy Spirit reveal what's going on here? Okay, so now that's the first one. You identify the wrong belief. So, it, like I said, this could have been pride now or fear, a wrong belief about God, all that type of thing. And then the next thing is that you fix, you remove that, 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 that wrong heart thing. You remove, you work on your pride. You work on your, your wrong understanding. And if you start doing that, eventually it will start having an effect on these things. So if I suddenly come to the realization that, wow, um, it's not a life, matter of life and death, I shouldn't be so affected by how you feel about this, then suddenly I become less angry with you for disagreeing with me. This is the one part of the process. Because the problem here is there's just nothing. It's empty. Now you have removed stuff and you've removed actions, but we have to replace it as well. So all I'm dealing with here is what Colossians 3 has been about. The next thing is to put good things in your heart. Now that you've taken the bad stuff out, put good desires, good beliefs, good motivations in your heart. And then eventually it starts changing how you are and how you act and what you do. 
Um, we spoke about putting love in your heart. That was the first thing he mentioned. So put love in your heart. Can you imagine how your relationships with the people around you would change if your first act towards them is love? Not proving you wrong or being angry about what you did, but just love. If it just starts with love. The next one he spoke about is peace. This is the idea of getting on well with people, especially in the context of the church. Letting this peace of God rule in my heart how I deal with other people. And like I said, eventually then, it starts flowing out in good behavior and good living. Now today he's mentioning the third thing we can do to work on our hearts, and then he gives examples of how that plays out. Okay, so this is where we left off. And so today's one is, let the Word live in you. Let the Word live in you. You can open your Bible to Colossians 3. We are going to read verse 16. And I'm going to ask Denise just to come and read verse 16 for us of Colossians 3. Verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. To God. I hope you all agree that the, the Bible is cleverly constructed by the Holy Spirit. It's not just random thoughts thrown together and people collected it and wrote it down. Every sentence structure, every thought pattern, every order is, is designed by God. And when I read this, I wondered by myself, why is the word third? Shouldn't the word have been first? Because then it teaches you love and it teaches you peace. Why? why? Now, I'm not saying it because I'm double-checking the Holy Spirit and figuring out what he did wrong. I'm checking myself and saying, what, what am I not understanding? That word has to be third year. Now, when I th thought about this, I think there are a couple of reasons. The first one is that he's talking about born-again people who have the Holy Spirit. And even if you don't have the Bible and you are saved, without the Bible, the Holy Spirit can teach you love and peace. The work in your heart done purely by the working of the Holy Spirit, without even picking up the Bible, you, you can start loving because you respond to God's love and you start sharing that love with others, even with peace. You stop wanting to be right and fighting and so, and so you start wanting to get on well with others. Um, um, another reason is we're going to look at the text. But we'll see that the order here plays, um, is very important. We need to know the Bible. Even if we have love and we have peace, we need more. There's a lot of things that we don't figure out by ourselves. There's a lot of things that the Holy Spirit doesn't just place in your mind. He uses other means to get it to you. And if you don't spend time in the Bible, like we said today, if you don't let the Word live in you, you miss out on these things. Now, we had a family member. I think the kids are all gone, so that's good. Um, we had a family member who got radically saved. Man, this person was he's loved, he loved people. He loved going to church and singing worship songs to God and stuff. And then a while after he got saved, 
He read the Bible and he goes, what? Only married people are supposed to do that. I didn't know. He didn't grow up in a Christian home. No one has ever told him that God's design for certain actions are only in the marriage. And he's like, I better change. I better fit in with this. And do you understand how today's thing it says, if you want to change, you can't just sit there and say, prayed, Holy Spirit changed me, Holy Spirit changed me, God changed me, and then, whoa, I start changing. God's Word is needed to do a lot of that change and a lot of that hard work. But let's jump into the text. He says there, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. The Word of Christ being the Bible. Now, it's not just the Gospel. It's not just the four books of the New Testament, the four Gospels, it is everything. Because Jesus looked at the Old Testament and he said, it's speaking about me. All this is about me. And he looked at the New Testament and the rest of the New Testament after Jesus left was just reminding and expanding and explaining what Jesus said. So what he is saying is that the Word needs to live in you. It needs to dwell in you um, because that's what you need. Now, would God command something that is impossible to do? Would He? That's a given. There's some things that He's going to command you that you can't do in your own strength, definitely. There's a lot of things He commands you that you can do. But would He command you to do something that is impossible to do? No. And therefore, I know I can trust my Bible. I don't have to sit and wonder, has it been corrupted? How much faults are in there now? Which parts must I leave out? Which parts must I be accepted? Must I accept? Because if God was the one who wrote the Bible, He is also the one that preserves the Bible so that you can fulfill these commands. I don't have to double-check the Bible. God not only wrote it, He made sure that the one I have in my hands is the best what I need. It's what I need. It's correct. Now, that implies you need to get a good translation of the Bible. A good translation is a Bible, of a Bible is a Bible that matches the Greek and the Hebrew. Um, for instance, the Passion Translation is a terrible translation of the Bible, and it shouldn't be used. So you can't pick up the Passion Translation and say, it's God's Word, I'm going to put it in my heart. If you go research how that Bible was translated, you realize this was translated from the Greek by a person who doesn't understand Greek. The Hebrew was translated by a guy, the same guy who was never done any Hebrew in his life. Um, it wasn't done by a committee so that there's checks and balances. It was one guy who sat with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit told him what he must make. Those are danger signs. So as long as you do your homework, we are blessed that there are many good translations of the Bible. Um, pick yours and read it. Okay, so the command is that this word must dwell in me. Dwell means it must make a home in me. Um, the picture here is if, if someone comes to your heart and they open the door, the word must run out and must come out there because your heart is so filled with the truths and the knowledge of God. And it mustn't just dwell in you, it must dwell richly in you. Now that word means great volume that adds great value. In other words, he's not, he's, he's not saying, take the Bible, pick your ten favorite verses and put it in your heart and there you go. No, all of it must affect all of you. I'm, I'm not going to mention this guy's name, but there's a very famous prosperity preacher that's big on TV. And someone once said, it must be so difficult for this guy to prepare a message. 
because he has to go through so many pages to find a verse that fits in with his theology. Can't preach that? Oh, no, can't preach. Oh, no, that's definitely against what I'm going to say. Oh, here's a little passage that seems to say what I want to say. All of the word must fit in and change all of you. So what is the command here? The command is to read the Bible, to think about the Bible, to think how it applies to my life, to think where I disagree with it and change where I disagree, think where I fall short. Um, And then he carries on and he says, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Um, This is powerful for a couple of reasons that we need to understand. The idea of getting the word into my heart is never a solo activity. It's never activity where I go off and because I have the Bible and I have the Holy Spirit, I don't need anything and He will teach me. More than once in my life, someone came to me with this verse, which I don't have on there, that says, John 14, 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things, and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. So more than once in my life, people came to me and says, I don't have to go to church. I don't have to listen to sermons. I don't have to read Christian books. Because I, this verse says, the Holy Spirit will teach me. And I go, yes, He will. And He sometimes uses people to do it. We need each other. Um, so what does this text say? This text says that There's a one another happening in bringing the word in us. And it happens through teaching and admonishing. Um, In all wisdom. Now, let's break that apart. Um, when, When we look at these two, people are normally very happy with the first one, but not so happy with the second one. I'm fine with you teaching me, but don't admonish me. Admonish is a word we've, we've looked at before, notheteo, which means, we don't have a word in English for it. It means to teach me, to encourage me, to tell me when I do something wrong, to insist that I stop doing something is wrong, like this very full word. And so I always like asking this question, who of you here love it when people tell you you're doing something wrong? You can put up your hand now. Isn't that a problem? Isn't that a problem in us? That we don't listen to this. The Bible says you need to be in a place where Christ's words dwell in you. And one way he does that is through teaching and admonishing one another. Because in the Greek, this is not a separate word, a verb. He doesn't say, let the word, next verb, teaching and admonishing. This is a participle. So he's telling you, this is how you let the word dwell in you. By submitting to teaching and admonishing. And what this then says is um, there's a ministry of admonishing. And so some people get appointed to admonish everyone else. Is it true? I don't think we'll have any problems getting volunteers for that ministry. That will be a very full ministry. How do we know it's not true? Because it says one another. There's no hierarchy in the church where the ones at the top are busy admonishing the ones at the bottom. It's a level playing field where anyone can go to another person and say, you know what, I think you're doing something wrong. I think you have to change. And you know, when I read this, it clicked for me why the word is lost. 
You can't teach and admonish someone if you don't come in love and peace. If I don't have love for someone and live in peace with them, I have no business to come and admonish them. And sadly, some people take up that ministry. I call it the ministry of long-distance rock-throwing. I don't have anything to do with your life, but I'm going to tell you all the things you do wrong, and then I'm going to step away again. The context is here, someone who's experienced the love of God, the peace of God, and in that context, we can come together and we can teach each other, we can admonish each other, and we can grow in full wisdom, all wisdom, because alone you'll never have all wisdom. If you choose to separate yourself from the church, you might think you're very clever, you're lacking wisdom that God designed other people to give to you. That's the problem, yeah. But let's read on. Now, just like this was a participle, the next one is also a participle. So it's not, you must let the word, then you must teach each other, then you must sing. He's saying singing is one way for the word to dwell in you. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Um, what is another way we get God's Word to dwell in us? By singing the Word. Singing the Word to each other. Um, now that tells us a lot about singing. It tells us what we should be singing. We should be singing Word-based songs. Not just fluffy emotions. Oh, I love this because it, it's got this nice picture. But what is it saying about the Word? No, it's about feelings. Now, if you get to the Word, you will get to the feelings as well. But some people bypass the Word to get to the feelings. Um, now, I don't think this means you must always sing just stuff straight from the Bible. There are groups like that, the prescriptive um, Reformed people and the, like the Gereformeerde Kerk. You're not allowed to sing anything differently. It has to be straight from the Bible. I don't think it's what it means in the same way that if I preach, I take the word and I apply it. When I pray, I take what I know and I put it in my own words. In the same way, singing is taking God's word and putting it in words that, that are still God's word. So that's firstly, what should we be singing? We should be singing the Bible to each other. We should teach each other. We should admonish each other through singing. Isn't that fantastic? So when we sing, Lord, I surrender to you, and you are not surrendered, you need to hear the admonishing of the church and God saying, why are you singing something you're not doing? That's it. So that's the first thing. It also tells us the form that we should be singing. Only psalms written before the 1600s. That's the only music allowed. No. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. There's great debate about what exactly he's talking about. Some people say it's the three parts of the Old Testament. That's not true. Um, there's other parts like, no, this is now the old people's music and this is the young people's music. We don't know. All that we know is he says there are different styles of music. Sing them all. Don't be the person who says, only hymns. Don't bring me any, don't bring a drum. If you bring a drum into the church, I'm gone. And I go, Psalms talks about drums. Don't be loud. Don't be loud. No, no, no. Psalm says make a joyful noise. Maybe we should start reading the Bible more. Um, different styles. Different. Now, if there's a song that doesn't really fit my style, I sing it because I love the words. And I know someone else at the moment is really associating with the style of music, and I praise God that they can also do something in their style. And then when my style 
moves out and it's someone else's style, or then, then I fit and I adjust and we make space. Okay. And it also tells, so it tells us what we should be singing. It's telling us how we should be singing and also why we should be singing. We sing to build each other up. Singing is not primarily how I feel about it. Um, I love how someone said this, that singing, and I think it's going to come out now, singing is a pathway to show your emotions. It's not a tool to hype up emotions. Does it make sense? Because I love, I can sing to God. But it's not someone who's ambivalent and because the bass player is just so sexy and he's playing it here so well, then everyone goes, oh, this is a good moment for me. Okay. It's not about creating emotions. It's allowing a space for emotions to come out. And we're going to see it in the next thing where he says, with thankfulness in our hearts to God. Um, our singing is to teach, but there's another reason as well. Our singing is also with thankfulness to God. But this actually applies to the whole thing. I let the word dwell in my heart because I'm so thankful to God that he shows me the way. I, I teach and I admonish other people and I allow other people to teach and admonish me because I'm so thankful to God that he put me in a place where I can grow through other people. And I sing praises to God because I'm so thankful for what he's done. Um, so in conclusion, the call for today is we need the Word and we need each other. That's the call. If you are struggling with these things, now I don't know what your outpouring of your struggles are, and you've been thinking that all I need to do is just pray. As long as I say maybe the right prayer or have enough faith, then my problems are going to go away. God says, no, there's a, there's a journey that I've set. You need to be saved. You need to experience and be filled with the love of God. You need to know the peace that passes all understanding. You need to live in the Word and let the Word live in you. Not the theories of the world, not the philosophies of man, not your opinions and your desires. Throw it out. Let the Word dwell in you, change you every single part. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. It is actually shocking that it's so easy for us to have access to it, and yet for many people there's so little access to it. So Lord, grow in us this desire as David often prayed, um, let my mind see the glorious things in your word. Give me a desire to spend time and to hear your voice, not just as a means of hearing good things, but as a means of changing me changing in my life, in my heart, those things that are clashing with your way and your will. Lord, let us be honest enough with this road to realize we don't know. You know. And let us learn from you. Holy Spirit, thank you that you give us the gift of other people to teach us and admonish us. And Lord, I know many, can, many people here can think back of a time when a good friend said a word that was needed to get them back on the right path. Lord, you put people in our lives to not just provide and care, but also to get us back on the straight and the narrow. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that this is a way you've created to bring your word and your wisdom into us. But above all, Lord, let us come and do everything out of that thankfulness to you, to dwell on who you are and what you've done as we did today 
with the Lord's Supper and let everything else flow from that. Not me, no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. I need to become less and He needs to become more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you were blessed in hearing God's word today. For more information or prayer, please visit our website stillbaybaptist.co.za. May you find your life in Jesus Christ and Him alone.